guys. Welcome to the Living Remnant Podcast. Back to you again, except this week we're on location. We're actually in beautiful western North Carolina this Sabbath afternoon at a Ridgecrest Conference Center in Black Mountain. And uh, I'm joined by my co-host, Miss Nikki Williams. Hey. Hey, everybody. And uh, this week we also have a guest. We are joined by a fine young lady. Her name is Erin Bates. Welcome to the show, Erin. Hi. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, it's our pleasure. And we're just sitting outside on a Sabbath afternoon here in a very beautiful setting mm-hmm. and having some conversation. But we brought Erin on the show. She is a, a very active young woman in the church and uh, has a message and a ministry we'd like to share with you. Can you tell us a little bit about your background, Erin, and who you are? Well, I'm Erin, as you know already. Um, I'm 19 years old. I, I would have guessed I guess, older. Really? You, you seem wiser than that. <laughs> well, thanks. That's, I guess, the result of knowing God and a lot of people that support me. But, um, yeah, I am an ASL interpreter, American Sign Language, um, and I'm a recent graduate of that. I call myself a baby interpreter. I just got my associate's degree, so I'm not very far along. But that's that's still pretty good to have your associate's degree and, and be done with that at 19. That's sounds like an achievement. Yeah, I was homeschooled, so I did one year of my associate's degree while I was a senior in high school. Yeah. So I kind of got a jump start. Not to break this, but how, how was your experience being homeschooled? Do you feel like it was good for you, or do you feel like it was a disadvantage for you? This is something we talk about having a... It's a big topic yeah, for us. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. Um, okay, well, probably not every minute of it. There were moments where I was like, I want more friends. But I had friends, you know, yeah. through church and things like that. And we did field trips with other groups of kids. So it wasn't like I was socially deprived or anything. But it really prepared me for college. I, My mom is a strict and hard teacher. She loves me a ton, and she's very supportive along with how strict she is. Uh, so I got to college, and it was kind of like a breeze doing my associate's degree. Well, I'm sure my bachelor's will be different. Well, no, I mean, that's a that's a pretty big blessing. I'm sure it was tough at times yeah. to have mom as, as teacher checking. I mean, you didn't even get to wait till the report card came in. She, <laughs> she knew how you were doing it. <laughs> yeah. I just, I'm thoroughly impressed she's 19 and knows that she wants to do something. She has a direction. And you've gone after it. And you've accomplished it. And that's darn impressive and speaks well of Mrs. Bates. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. So, not to interrupt your story, you're 19, you recently have gotten your associate's degree as a as a signer. Is that mm-hmm. is that the right word for Yeah, that? sign language interpreter. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I want to do deaf ministry with my life. That's the my long-range goal. Um, I'm not sure what exactly that looks like yet, but I'm just taking it a step at a time. What what inspired that? My parents taught me baby sign language, um, which you wouldn't think would inspire something like that. And I don't think that would be like the moment, but once I learned to talk, I just kind of cast it aside. But my mom felt impressed to keep giving me things like flashcards and kid dictionaries and things like that. And I just was not interested. (laughs) But I met somebody who was deaf in a grocery store and he was giving out his business cards. And my mom can fingerspell, and she knows basic sign language. And she's trying to carry on, because she cares about communication, she's trying to carry on a full-on conversation with this guy. And she's just fingerspelling it out, you know, Which the takes ABC. Some work. Yeah. I have no experience, but I'm sure that's tedious. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very tedious because you're spelling out all your words. Yeah. Um, and she just cared that much about communication. And I realized in that situation... <laughs> 
there was a group of people that I couldn't communicate with that I wanted to. So then I learned that only 2 to 4% of the deaf in the U.S. are Christians. So then it was like, whoa, this is an unreached people group. Wow. I, I would have had no idea that that's the case. So that's, yeah. that's, that's really cool, though. Like, what a... What a, what a neat thing to be led to, and I don't want to use this, I think of this word as a business word, but a niche ministry to get to a group of people who... Are underserved. Because they can't, yeah. they don't have anybody to communicate to them. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. I, I first noticed, Aaron, when we went to the camp meeting um, this last year, you actually were signing, and um, you had a, a tough challenge this year. How did that go? That was good. I was um, interpreting for Pastor Sean Boonstra, and... There were the two speakers, you know, for camp meeting. There was Ty Gibson for the evening meetings. There was Ty Gibson, and then there was Sean Boonstra. And I, there had been some question before when I was asked to interpret. You know, people were wondering, okay, am I going to be for the whole week? And so I didn't know which speaker I was going to be interpreting for. And in some ways, I was wishing for Ty Gibson. In others, I was wishing for Sean Boonstra. But Boonstra talks really fast. <laughs> but it really was good. Fast. So yeah. how, how do you manage that? Do you have, like, a system where, like, sometimes you skip some of it? you kind of hit the high points? Or do you just mm. have a good memory for, like, kind of trailing along? It's a combination of pretty much all of that. ASL has its own grammar and syntax, so it's a lot faster to communicate. You know, it's more... It's not every single word. Yes, okay. yeah. They have... It's more a visual language instead of, you know, focusing on the individual words. So if you can set up your space and use it, your 3D space in front of you, to depict what you're talking about with the signs, that's called classifiers, then you can sign a lot faster. Okay. But it's still hard, yeah. So if you were getting ready to, just a question, if you were to prepare for a speaker like that, do you do you have stuff you do ahead of time? Do you, mm-hmm. do you study them? Do you watch them? Do you kind of try to get familiar? Or Yeah. If you know who you're interpreting for, you can't always have the ideal circumstances. Sometimes you're called into an assignment last minute and yeah. you just have to. But for Boonstra, I contacted him ahead of time, asked for notes, because that way if you can have notes for the sermon, then you can kind of figure out where you're headed. But he doesn't preach with notes. He preaches with sticky notes. And he's like, you won't understand <laughs> my notes. notes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my God. You can kind of see that. Didn't he walk around on stage barefoot or something? Didn't somebody that, tell yes, me that? Yes, that's what your dad yeah, said. I think so. Yeah, don't like shoes. Yeah. But you didn't put that in the sign. You didn't tell him that. <laughs> no. <laughs> if they caught it, they caught it. If yeah. not, oh well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I just sat down with him and talked over his sermon with him, which was really gracious of him to be able to prep beforehand. Yeah. Do um, So you want to do sign language as a ministry, reaching out to deaf people. Mm-hmm. How, how will you do that? My pie-in-the-sky dream is I would love to open a deaf community center where there are tons of deaf. So that would be a place like D.C. Um, there are other large cities, too. But basically, I would offer things like job training skills because, you know, the public schools are really struggling to, um, and it's called mainstreaming when deaf kids go through the public schools. Um, but Or inclusion. Yes, or inclusion, yeah. <laughs> um, some of the schools are struggling to educate with the practical skills as well um and because a lot of deaf kids are language deprived because they're not given sign language early enough um they end up struggling to find jobs later and then add on top of that the prejudice of a lot of hearing people in hiring deaf 
applicants, they struggle. So there are things like you know, job training skill workshops you can do, health uh, training for the deaf community. Um, all of this because the communication is sort of limited because you know, there's that language barrier. So I want to kind of combine education, health, and vocational work in a community center. That sounds like a, a really great idea. It's very ambitious. Awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. ambitious. That, no, goals should be ambitious, though. No, they, yes. They we just we just talked about today your your um, uh, perspective, your point of view, mm. and that when we pray, our point of view is so small. Got, you know, like we're looking at what our brains and our abilities think is possible, and God's answers are so lar- much larger than what we think are the possibilities. So, yes, yeah. dream big, I would say. You know, look at God yeah. from God's perspective. But you were telling us you have a heart of ministry because um, you grew up um, with parents mm-hmm. um, that were in the ministry. So yeah. this is this has been something that you've been raised with. Yeah, my dad's a pastor, um, and my mom is pretty much everything. Like she's pastor's wife, you know, ministering alongside my dad. My dad also does family ministries. My mom and dad. Um, so traveling to different churches, he's the family's family ministries director for the Carolina Conference. And what does that mean? Well, he'll go and present. Um, on present seminars on family life, things like that, marriage seminars. He, they host together the um, Romance at the Ranch marriage retreat. Okay. I've heard this. Yes. Yeah. So they basically are trying to lead together in strengthening the families in the conference. And so sometimes that includes us. Sometimes we get to go along. If it's like a, a family seminar... Um, not just marriage. I, I don't do the marriage. Um, <laughs> no rush into that. Yeah. Plenty of time yeah. for that stuff. Yeah. So sometimes we'll present with them or things like that. Yeah. So so they, as they had you involved, this was just a natural step. You were looking for, it wasn't like you had to go out on your own and think, I want to do ministry. It was kind of something that was innate in you as you, in your raising. Yeah. It was encouraged. And with homeschooling, um, my mom was able to kind of figure out from us where our interests lay. And then she would kind of feed those interests, like with me, sign language. As soon as I figured out I wanted to learn it, I started teaching myself, and she would just provide resources, and she'd be encouraging and suggesting things. So that would be how I was finding my ministry. You know, before we started recording, um, you mentioned that it hasn't always just been a straight path. You started out, you had a great, great teaching, great upbringing, the guidance, but it wasn't just a, you fell into it. You had your own, your own struggle to, to find Jesus for yourself and in mm-hmm. your life, right? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, I grew up in a really healthy family for the most part, um, but I began experiencing abuse from not my parents. I have to clarify because everybody automatically assumes that yeah. when I say that. But um, I started experiencing ongoing abuse during my elementary years. And so we looked really good on the outside. My parents didn't know what was going on. Um, so it kind of went unaddressed for a long period of time. But I always felt close to God, like he was the place where I was going to run to. And I feel like my parents did a good job of setting that up for me. So much of that has to do with your foundation. I know in a recent episode we even talked about that, you know, for me personally, being raised in the church, that even when I drifted really far from my upbringing, 
those that foundation that had been laid in Sabbath school and in Christian education and in the example I saw at home and in you know the other people that that were part of our community at church that that always was an anchor that drew me back like I even when I questioned everything in the back of my mind the truth was still there you know and I measured things against it whether I realized it or not it was yeah. that that upbringing is, is is so valuable yeah um my best friend passed away by suicide and right after that you know I wanted I wanted to be a deist you know that was what I was trying to convince myself of and like you said that upbringing that just keeps pulling you back in the back of my mind I'm going okay I have way too much evidence against this right yeah <laughs> so then I had to figure out well what kind of character does God have that he would allow something like this and you know, through my struggle with depression and suicide and stuff like that, I got to discover who God is. And I'm always discovering that, but it's been a cool process. I know our journey doesn't always go the way we think it's going to go. And sometimes the toughest stuff is what we need to prepare us and to grow our faith. Mm-hmm. Really, I know that uh, some of my toughest experiences have ended up being the most valuable mm-hmm. in the long term. But so you're actually involved in, in a ministry now or getting ready to get started in something, right? Uh, is it called Arise? Is that- yeah, yeah. Um, that was a funny story. I was actually, since camp meeting, Ty Gibson came and was a, a speaker at camp meeting. I've been, before that, I've been looking for Bible training programs and things like that that I can get involved in. Because I want to, I have to go to a secular university Um because there isn't an Adventist university that has the degree that I'm after, and you know, that's really the only option for me at this point. But I want to be strong in my faith and to be able to share that. So I was looking at programs, and then at camp meeting, it was the kind, kind of the clincher. And it's like, okay, I need to go to Arise. Arise is a, it's a different length program depending on what you're thinking of doing. It can be like six, not six months, um... They have an online program that's six months and then a 12-month online program. And then they've got a one-semester program in Oregon and a one-semester program in Australia. So I opt for the one in Australia. <laughs> yeah. I, can't, I can't go, I guess. <laughs> I wanted to go to that one. I was like, hmm, if I can afford a plane ticket to Australia. That's a little yeah. bit more than Oregon. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they closed the program in Oregon for this year. But instead, they gave the the people who they already had accepted, like me, uh, free access to the online version, which was like God's answer for me. It was like, wow, I can do this for free now. So, but at first, when you got that news, because you were planning, yeah, you were you were set. You had already purchased your plane ticket, had you not? Uh huh. Yeah, so this was a big deal. I purchased my plane ticket the day before they called me to tell me that it was that it yeah. was canceled. So, how did that feel, like? After you had, you know, gone through this, you had asked for for some help to to raise, you know, donations to raise the money for you to go through this. And and you get a phone call, Aaron, we've got to tell you that we know you just bought your ticket, but we've canceled the program for the year. It was a letdown. (laughs) Yeah, I actually bawled. (laughs) I was with my mom and I'm like, Mom! (laughs) So... Yeah, I cried because I was counting on that, and I was really looking forward to the fellowship that that program would give me. Because just graduating from community college, there's not that much like-minded Christian fellowship that you can find in that kind of environment. And I was like, yes, I get like three months of this. But 
I feel like this was God's answer for me anyway. You know, maybe he didn't call me to go to Arise in Oregon. He called me to go to Arise. And so maybe, you know, I had just jumped to conclusions as far as, well, I'm just going to Oregon. You got tied to a solution. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for those that are listening to this that aren't familiar, including myself, can you tell us a little bit about what Arise is and what it consists of and yeah, it's about? It's a program that's centered on the narrative of Scripture that really focuses on the character of God. And really that's been what's been, what has been instrumental in my life. And that is looking at the overall story of Scripture pre-scripture, during scripture, and you know, after scripture was written, of how God relates to us and how that's a lot different than the way we usually relate to God. And this and this course will prepare you to It'll prepare me to share my faith in the context of the narrative of Scripture. It'll also I believe it's going to strengthen my faith as well to just have a lot of resources that I can come back to when I'm questioning because I still question, you know, many days. So this will kind of be an anchor for me because I want to be able to study Scripture for myself in depth. Yeah. And it's 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 run by the group that actually does those table talks that we, what we were watching. The light bearers? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so I, I believe if I've, I've caught the marketing that I've I've uh, experienced so far, it's really tailored towards young adults. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, um, as we were discussing before, this segment of um, this generation, this population that is leaving the church, and so they've really focused on making disciples out of out of this age mm-hmm. group, and that's that's really impactful and something that speaks to your heart, right? Yeah. Yeah, I have a passion for young people um, considering leaving the church or those who are in the church and their relationship with God is starting to weaken, which it happens over time if you don't keep it up, you know. Um, And that passion is because I've experienced that. I've been there. Um, But I think the story of Scripture is relatable to everyone. But especially right now, it's relatable the most to the young people and the things that we're experiencing. Like, we're living in a world that nobody else has, you know, lived in, experienced quite like we're experiencing now. Maybe not since the time of Noah, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And we're facing things that, like, my parents often tell me, they're like, you guys are facing temptations that were not nearly as strong, you know, when we were growing up. And my parents grew up in the world, of the world, you know. They they weren't raised in the church or anything, so they know what it was like when they were growing up. And I think the comfort and the knowledge of God's character really applies to young people right now because the idea that God is completely unselfish in today's completely selfish world Mm. is really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they have, we have to work so much harder to connect to this generation because this generation doesn't, even though they're connected and I'm holding my iPhone so you can't see, even though we're connected to everything, we're, you're not connecting to people Mm -hmm. and you can't have a conversation. So how do you reach and explain, such a spiritual um, experience to, to people that just want to feel the emotion on a post. Yeah. Well, I mean, 
we young people are really relational people. We want to connect. I think that's why technology becomes such a draw for us because it's a quick way to connect. Instant gratification. Yeah, and it's readily available. Often in our culture today, actual real connection isn't quite so available as technology is. So we're looking constantly for those relational connections. Um, So I would say that's the best way to share the gospel is through, you know, true heart connection with someone, friendship, getting to know them. Yeah. Have have you had a lot of friends leave in your age group, leave the church, or um, are you, well, probably just starting to see some of the kids that you grew up with probably are going off to college? Yes, I'm seeing... I guess a couple grades ahead of me start okay. to leave. I actually, I've got to be careful how I say this. I firmly believe in Adventist education. Firmly. I've seen it change lives, and I believe that I, I fully support and stand behind it. There are some things that may need to be tweaked in how we do it, because I've seen a lot of my friends go off to Southern, and they think it's going to be this really safe and warm environment. But then once they get there, they're um, presented with temptations that they've never even heard of before. And there's a lot of stuff that goes on in the dorms and things like that that nobody really knows a lot of detail about. Um, And I speak from experience because I've had two older brothers go to Southern and come back different. Um, And a lot of my friends are going to Southern and then losing their faith. I think that may be partly because of the temptations they're facing at school, but also they're being uprooted from their family support groups, their local church support when they go, and they're not really anchoring into a new support group once they get to Southern or wherever the Adventist University is. When you, um, I'm not trying to draw you into an uncomfortable topic, but oh, yeah, that's fine. you know, you, you mentioned that you think there could be some tweaks and people going off to Southern. Do you think that the universities are becoming a place that's maybe not standing 100% for the message that they were founded upon? you think it's coming from, I guess what I'm asking is, do you think that's coming from some of the leadership at the school, or do you think it's just the world we live in and... We've shut our eyes to it's going on. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think it's probably all of the above, because it's never a one simple answer. Um, I do know that the gospel's not being presented in all the ways that it could be presented. And that, again, relational human beings, we're not really connecting with each other. So it becomes a little more institutionalized instead of um, really discipling the young people that arrive. If, you know, as a young adult, and you're obviously passionate about education and those kinds of things, how would you change... Or how would you improve Adventist education? What what would you like to see change about it? Oh, wow. (laughs) Put her on the spot. Well, (laughs) I couldn't change Adventist education, but I know that people with hearts open to the Holy Spirit can, you know, once we start working together. I'm trying to think specific, practical things. I would love to see smaller schools start up because I know with the number of students that attend schools, you know, if we had more smaller schools, then people would be a lot more together, um, more relationship going on. I don't know how that's 
feasible. Sure. You know, I'm, I'm just talking really off I'm the even. top of yeah, my I'm head. Yeah, I'm just curious yeah. where, where you see, you know, you have a unique perspective, so... I- yeah, and also I think the way that society as a whole has done education is more to the... This is going to start to sound really nerdy here. <laughs> more with the Greek mindset than with the Hebrew mindset, if that makes any sense. Can you explain? The Hebrews, when the Bible was written and all of that, were all about um, education being an exchange of stories. Um, okay. And it being an exchange of experience. So let's see. Let's say an older person wanted to teach some younger people. They would be passing on to them their traditions, their experiences, their traditions out of their experiences. So their their life experiences, their mistakes, how they learned from their mistakes, things like that. That's really what the Bible is when you look at it. It's a whole record of everybody's experiences. Right. But then the Greek mindset, it kind of changed the way that people saw education. And America as a whole tends to follow education with more of a Greek mindset. And that is that education is a set of data, you know, facts, numbers, um, things that can be written down in lists. Uh And you can see that when you look at... You know, a college student's study notes because you see, you know, the bullets, the the things. That's how I think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. When really education is more a connected set of ideas that kind of all are cohesive. But I think because I think the the original model for Adventist education was a little more towards the Hebrew mindset. And that was explaining experiences, teaching kids so that they would um, be able to have their own experiences, um, learn from their mistakes, things like that. And over time, just I think probably because the country as a whole has become more Greek mindset in the way that they approach education, it's become more like that and it's more like a a set of data. Very interesting. It is interesting. And I, I... It sounds like I'm hearing like a common theme in some of the stuff you're saying is that, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that you kind of believe that the key to not only teaching but even reaching younger people is to communicate to them from that story narrative aspect that if they were to understand it from that aspect and not from the rules and numbers and stuff that it, that it could really touch them and reach them. Yes. Is that a, is that a fair way to wrap that up or sum that up? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you did. You you caught that well that she she carried that through a lot. I mean, you're talking about her generation um, seeking out the connection, and 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 it's all of that. I think she just kind of conveyed that in such a beautiful way, um, and especially with the recent episode when we sat down with Peter and talked about. Um, the mission that a lot of people have forgotten the mission of Adventist education. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't to memorize facts. Mm-hmm. It wasn't to ace a math test. But it was not even to prepare them for the business world, but to prepare them for the coming of Jesus, mm-hmm. the, you know, the second coming. And if you don't start with that in mind, you start with the fact sheet, as you said, then, then you know, obviously you're off. Your 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 mission's off. You start from the beginning. Yeah, it's easy to lose sight of the goal. I, from what what we've heard, and you know, we did we had that we had that podcast with Peter. 
it's to me the other factor there is parents Mm -hmm. and it's the goals of the parents that unfortunately I believe are holding Adventist education back a lot of times it's the parents who and we're we're guilty of this you know we we do want our kids to be prepared to to deal Mm -hmm. with life and it's that that foot in the world that they want to hold the school to those standards you know where's this extracurricular program and where's that and how are you going to prepare them for this college and what about this test Mm -hmm. and this you know this want them to get an advanced math thing and that's really not what our school system said, but they're, they're, they're trying to straddle the line because they're trying to, you know. Well, they've got to, they've got to sell. Yeah, they have to sell themselves. If there's no kids, if parents don't send them, then they don't have open doors, right? Yeah. So they, 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 they cater to that uh, mm-hmm. commercialism in a, in a sense. I know that the things that are influencing our children and our young people are of such paramount importance. And it's like you said, the world we live in is unique. I I read the statistic the other day, and I'm going to get it totally wrong, but it was something like 20 years ago or 30 years ago, I think we receive an average of, I think it was 1,000 messages a day or 2,000 messages a day is our daily life, things that Mm. were being shot into us. and. Today, this is going to sound unbelievable, but I know this number is right. We received 300,000 messages trying to reach out. It hit us every day. And we are, it's so easy to be distracted in all of it, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, you know, whether it's the the social discord or every little thing that's going on in the world that's kind of being blown up at us and temptations and all that. So we we do live in a unique time and, and we do, it is going to take a special effort. I, I know at our church, we've, we've seen a, a large group of young people really step up into this leadership and ministry role. And I think it's the young people that are going to finish the work and, and, and bring us home because the passion you see there, it's like, it's, it's your age. And I don't mean anything by this, but it's your age. You are simply not tainted enough by the world and by the monotony of getting along with all the responsibilities of life you just you're on a mission mm-hmm. and i more people need to be on a mission in their life you know we have a blink of an eye here to to fulfill our purpose so and what she we were chatting before and you you used a quote from a friend to describe some of those people that are not really active <laughs> yeah the older generation or any generation that's just kind of comfortable too comfortable we talk about the youth leaving the church but we talk about that not to minimize the problem of the youth leaving but we talk about it i think because it's more visible you know there are the people inside the church that my friend refers to as the frozen chosen um so it's like they're there with their bodies but not much more than their bodies are there in the church. They're, that routine. Yeah, they're just kind of stuck. They're, they're there because it's habit. It's their tradition. They're not really um, converted of heart, you know, as in like 100% gods. But I do believe that there are those people, the older people in the church too, that don't necessarily have the energy of youth, but they've got like the wisdom that comes from many years of experience. So then you combine the the passion of youth, which we tend to be a little impulsive. <laughs> and then you combine that with the wisdom of the older people who can't get as much done, and you've got twice the power. Well, I think it's a whole lot... It would be a whole lot easier... Uh, I don't know if this example makes sense, but I think it would be a whole lot easier for a 20-year-old Jonah to get up and preach to Nineveh than it would be for a 35- <laughs> or 40-year-old Jonah with the family 
Do you, you know yeah. what I'm saying? To take that, that, that impulsiveness tends to give you courage. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that there's, I think there's a lot of merits to it. I mean, certainly wisdom and, and discernment and all those things that come with age, they're great. They're mm-hmm. great. And they're, it's, 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 uh, whatever. But I, I think that that well, willingness I, to take action is a big thing. You know, I, I feel like a lot of what I hear sometimes as an opposition, I, I kind of hear this play out of the younger generation is leaving because the church won't change for it. Mm. We want to still hold on to our old hymnals and our old practices, and we don't want to let the, you know, the music change. Um, and um, what would you say to the people that say that we have to weaken the message for the youth? That's really what they want. They want us to do a feel-good, um, take, take the real word out of the message to have the youth come back. Is that is is that accurate? I would say that's not what the youth want. Um, the youth are hungry for the real word. They're hungry for the actual scripture. Explained in a way that's engaging, of course. <laughs> um, let, let me get this straight. So you're saying that even though people say this, the youth don't want the church to look more like the world. They, they can get the world if they want to. I'm speaking of, of my generation, and I can't speak for every young person out there, you know, but it looks, my parents say young people have hypocrisy radar. In other words, if we're seeing things that just don't add up, you know, things where people are actually behaving in a way that it's like, wait, this is not what you practice, what you preach. You know, you're not actually living the way you're saying we should live. Then we're immediately going to go. No, that's you're not going to listen to anything yeah. that they say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not going to be interested in being involved in that. And the world has a lot to offer as far as things of the world. You know, you can get that if you want. And There's plenty of feel good ch- churches. Yeah, <laughs> or places to go. Well. We know how to get the stuff from the world. And if we're coming into church, we expect it to be a different place. If we're coming into church, we expect it to be the real deal. And there are some churches that would say they're not of the world, but they're not the real deal. Right. There are some churches that are just showy. (laughs) But then there are other churches that, you know, they're trying so hard. And God bless them for trying so hard. They're trying so hard to make it appealing to the young people that they're actually losing sight of the real message of the gospel. And so I believe there's a middle ground where it's possible, because the gospel is a message that is timeless. So it's possible to present the message in a way that isn't, you know, accepting the world, but is engaging with the young people. I think it's important for it to be said, especially by a young person, that it's not adding rock music to the service that's what's going to draw them in. It's authenticity and truth. Mm-hmm. That that's, that's what matters. It is the message that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to just get rid of the old people. You value their wisdom. Yeah. You know, it's a marriage of both. And I think that that um, that there is that that's missing. You know, one thinks you can't have the old to attract the, the young. Or you can't have the word. And, you know, you have to have the secular music. You know, it's like... Nobody's realizing that what you guys really want, mm-hmm. yeah. which is 
Authenticity, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like no said. matter the music, if the authenticity is there, right. the young people will be there. Right, and I, I just I know that we have seen, and I don't want to bring up controversial topics just to be argumentative, <laughs> but you know, I, I hear that argument a lot that it's like, well, if we don't make the music more like this, then they're not going to want to be here. And I'm thinking that's not why they don't want to be here. Want to be here? That's they can get better music than you can do like that other places yeah. pretty easily you know uh, yeah. and i think that anytime we you know there's, there's that that cheap imitation to try to look like the world is even if it's like easy and attractive for a moment it's it's empty mm-hmm. it's empty so yeah i'm, I'm just floored i'm i'm I know, they're I'm not gonna be able to hear you sweetie I'm so <laughs> far away what you guys cannot see over this is that poor Erin has done very well keeping keeping her focus. We have been chasing Oliver all over this outside area. You, normally he's contained in a room. So thank you very much. You're a pro at this. Oh, <laughs> but sure. I, I'm, I'm, I'm very, um, I'm inspired by her enthusiasm. Um, she's, you know, out, as you said, the youth vote with their feet. You're doing um, so many of us want to talk about the policies of church or what are we doing, you know, all these things, but we're not out doing. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're showing us that that um, your generation doesn't have to be characterized as selfish or, you know, self-absorbed. You're out spreading mm-hmm. God's word and what he, the work he has done in you. You have you have a story to tell. Yeah. And I think that's awesome. Thank you. So. Yeah, I just I was just having ideas in my head. You're talking about youth and older people, and I'm thinking, why is there not more mentorship going on yes. between the wisdom of the people that have experience and the people that have energy, the youth? I mean, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stay I focused, believe, Brad. I believe that as youth ministry improves, that it'll actually be characterized by fewer boundaries as far as fewer um, walls between the age gaps and things like that. I believe as youth ministry improves, the younger people and the older people will be connecting more. Oh, that's that, that, What a vision. What a vision. It really is. And it, it even ties into what you're saying about the type of education, that Hebrew versus yeah. Greek, that, you know, that passing things down with stories and traditions and experiences each generation builds on the last generation and that that more greek philosophy it's each generation has to kind of relearn Mm -hmm. over and over again and it's like yeah i i'm just i'm i'm excited is there is there something that you would like to make sure that you pass along something that you want to make sure that you say um to anyone whether any generation or or out there listening Probably the number one thing is no matter who you are, the gospel can change you. So, you know, if you're waiting to be set free from something that you've been praying for for years and years, or if you are trying to figure out a way to not be a Christian anymore, like I did at some point, if you are super depressed and trying to figure out a way to end your life, or if you are addicted to something, then the gospel's got the power to set that, you know, to set you free from that. And there are ways that you can find access to that power. Awesome. Thank you. Hey, I want to throw a new thing onto this, and we'll have to start carrying this away. Do you have a favorite scripture to share? Favorite scripture. Sorry, we didn't prepare. Mm. You yeah, for yeah, this yeah. Issue. We threw, we threw this one. <laughs> it's got to be John fourteen. Uh, it's hard to pick like one favorite. I mean, because the Bible's just full of them. But John fourteen is great because of the promise of the Comforter, you know, the Holy Spirit, 
and that's really where we get all of our power. So yeah, I'm nothing of myself, but once the Holy Spirit comes into me, then he's going to make me a person that's super efficient at doing his work. Yeah, through so, him. Through yeah. him. And I think we heard... Oh. Uh, <laughs> well, um, did I, did we miss anything? Do we need to cover anything else? I, I don't think so. I don't know if you can hear me. No, because you're far away again. You're yelling. <laughs> we can edit that one out. Well, got a clean mulch out of the baby's mouth. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that we could do this. And I know that we, we kind of threw our schedule around a couple times and I'm and so thankful that you were able to come and, and meet us in person. And, um, I enjoyed it. Um, I'm, I'm very hopeful, you know, that, that, uh, God is working through this ministry to get the word out. And, um, and we want to, we want to keep in contact. We want to hear how the program goes with rise. Absolutely. Um, if anybody wants to get in contact with you with either more information about uh, the missionary work that you're you're mm-hmm. wanting to do um, with the deaf, um, mm-hmm. with Arise, um, just get and chat with you. How would how would someone get in contact with you? Um, two best ways would be Facebook Messenger. You can find me on Facebook, Erin Bates. It's spelled funny, E-R-A-N Bates, B-A-T-E-S. Um, and you can connect with me on Messenger. Just send me a Messenger um invite or or something like that you know where you're asking to chat with me on messenger um or my email address which is signing to god's glory it's all spelled out at gmail.com awesome awesome i'm inspired me too i really i really enjoyed talking about all this this was definitely inspired us to get off our our rears and take some more action. We're not Enjoy. sitting. The funny part of that is we're not sitting a lot on our rears. If you watch this, we're all over. Oh, I'm sure a baby will make you run. Yeah. Well, so. thank you again, Erin. No. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, guys. We'll be back next week.